This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This podcast is powered by the Indiana Municipal Power Agency. Since 1983, IMPA has provided 61 municipal utilities in Indiana and Ohio with low-cost, reliable, and environmentally responsible power. I'm Lee Llewellyn. So today, we're going to be talking about economic gardening. Uh, and uh, joining me today is Bo Ballou, the director from the Purdue Center for Regional Development, uh, Heather Strom, extension regional educator with Purdue, and Indranil Kumar, regional planner at uh, the Purdue Center for Regional Development. So the reason we're having this conversation is that, you know, Indiana is, has been facing a critical labor shortage, and because of that, we've really seen economic developers spending more of their time really focusing on existing companies, uh, helping them grow and expand. And so often during their business and retention visits, uh, economic developers are presented with an opportunity to help an existing company, but they don't always know what tools or where they can go to, to, to find that kind of assistance. So today we're going to be talking about a program that select companies can use to expand and grow. Uh, and the program that we're going to be talking about is called Economic Gardening. Uh, so we have to begin by acknowledging that when you first hear the term economic gardening, it can be very misleading. So as I was explaining to people that I was going to be coming to Purdue to do a podcast on economic gardening, people said, oh, yeah, I've talked to the, my Purdue Extension officer about helping me with my tomatoes. And it's like, no, that's really not what we're here to talk about. So... Um, uh, let's start with just sort of an, an, a, a general overview of uh, what is economic gardening. Sure, Lee, I'd be glad to uh, speak about that. Economic gardening is an entrepreneurial approach to economic development. And the, really the program focuses on supporting local stage two growth companies, and they do that providing them with strategic information that they can help them grow uh, jobs locally. The program really is the brainchild of Chris Gibbons, who at the time in 1987 was the business development director of Littleton, Colorado. Uh, that community had suffered from significant number of job losses because manufacturers had departed the community. And rather than focus on then business attraction, Chris decided that perhaps what he should do is focus his resources on existing local companies. And the, uh, the strategy was very successful. In fact, he was able to create jobs and increase sales revenue as a result of that focus. That program has taken off so much that it's now uh, in place in over 25 states and internationally in Japan, Canada, Australia, Ireland, Ireland and in other places. And uh, because it's been uh, addressed or uh, implemented in so many different places, rural areas, urban areas, all parts of the United States, uh, uh, and all kinds of economic development environments, that those, those applications have helped them refine their principles and tools that relate to the economic gardening program. We here at Purdue adopted that program in 2014 using the very same principles of growing local companies, and that's why we call it economic gardening. You're growing, but you're growing local companies. So I think you touched on that a little bit, um, but, but to give people sort of context before we get into the details about how this is done, uh, just an overview or maybe sort of an example of, of how 
a company has has benefited from or what sort of the results was and then we'll get into sort of how you get to those results but maybe giving people a picture of what does this mean and what what does it mean to a company yeah, uh, so so what we had uh, an indiana company uh, and that approached us uh, to do the economic gardening and went through the program and we did all the three parts of it, the market research, the GIS, and, and the search engine optimization. But as a result, uh, we were able to find uh, new market areas where it can intervene and, and, and growth opportunities, including locating the potential customers. So more or less after three years of engagement, uh, it has been able to grow about 300% increase in full-time employment and about 175% increase in annual revenues. So, so that's an Indiana local company. And that's pretty dramatic. So I think that that helps uh, people who are listening to the podcast at least understand the context of, of how dramatic this can be. Um, so, so that helps. So uh, this is really focused on uh, second stage companies. Um, and. And that maybe that's a common term, but, but it might help us uh, to begin by defining, again, so as people are out talking to companies, how would they recognize what is a second stage company um, and uh, why are they the focus of this, this program? The uh, second stage companies are really emerging growth companies. That's what they're defined as. And they typically are companies that have annual sales of anywhere between 750000 to $50 million and employ 10 to 99 employees. They're the ones, they're growth companies because they have proof of product, they have proof of market, and proof of good management skills. And they typically have the potential to grow even more so, but they don't have access to all the sophisticated tools and concepts that larger companies would have access to. Uh, we know for a fact the reason why we're focusing on this is because research has made it very clear that many new jobs are now being created by this band of companies, not only in Indiana, but across the country. So accelerating the growth potential of this highly productive group is a very efficient and effective economic development strategy. Okay. So uh, now let's spend a little bit of time talking about um, uh, how the Purdue Center for Regional Development, and I think people know you as PCRD, um, how it deploys the expertise and services to, uh, to assist these companies? Sure. So one of the first things that a company can do to gain more interest is to visit the website. So you can locate us at https at pcrd.purdue.edu, and that's forward slash signature programs forward slash economic gardening. Once we verified the company meets the eligibility requirements, we really begin the process. They are assigned a team that's comprised of five individuals. They get a team leader, they have a program coordinator, a market research specialist, a GIS analyst, and then they have an SEO and social media researcher. And so this is really valuable to the company because this team specializes and focuses in on what are the problems that really keep that company CEO up at night. Initially, the team leader spends a significant amount of time understanding the baseline and the foundation of the company in what we call a discovery call. That discovery call and how the company gets started 
what are the pain points, the customers, that 80-20 rule, who are the competitors, what does that market look like, who is that company, how do they innovate, how do they stay competitive, all of those really valuable types of information. It really takes about an hour and a half or so to complete that discovery call. After that, we go through and then we have a clarification call with all of those team specialists. So we go through and bring everybody on board in that team clarification call and we share that information. And then that team leader goes through and introduces those specialists to that CEO. And sometimes that CEO will bring members of their own company team into that call. So they may wanna have their VP of marketing, they may wanna have their CFO on the call. And so at that point, we really try to have a synergy with the company and the team leaders as well and so we'll have the GIS we will have the market researcher and then we'll have the SEO specialist there too with all of the team members from that company too and then we'll go through and see what that work looks like what are those pain points and we ask very probing and clarifying questions to understand what are the pain points to help that company grow And then we do some check-in calls afterwards. We conduct all of the research, share that with them, and then we discuss how they can go through and implement that information so that they can grow and add those revenues, add those jobs in that local community. Because really that point is, is to keep that company there to help them continue to grow. And we monitor and survey them three, six, nine months out, a year out, to see how things are going from that point on. So... That was a lot of information. It is. Step back for a minute. You you referenced uh, uh, SEO. What does yes. that stand for? Search engine optimization. Okay. All right. So maybe other, may, I mean maybe everybody uh, other than me understands that, but but I I've forgotten that that's what that stood for. So that helps. Thanks. You're so welcome. that so that was a lot of steps, uh, and you referenced uh, uh, research, and you referenced having some specialists. I think we need to, at some point, maybe go a little bit into detail and explain now. So, what would some of those specialists be? Where would they come from? What would be what would be the kind of research that that would be available then to a company who's going through this process? So, talk about some of those steps, maybe in a little bit more detail to people help people understand. Um, what that would be and how it would be unique to to a specific company. Sure, so basically we have like a toolkit, so to speak. And so within that toolkit, we do have those specialists. And so for example, with the SEO or search engine optimization and social media, we have a consultant that we work with. And so that consultant goes through and they really, almost kind of crawl across the internet and say, what does that look like for that company? What are their strengths and weaknesses from their website presence and their searching, or excuse me, their social media presence? Do they have a LinkedIn page? Do they have a Twitter page? Do they have an Instagram page? Their website, what does it look like? When was the last time that they updated that? And that is put into a report and shared with the company. And then that report is discussed with the company on that, clear, on that follow-up and check-in call. And then we do the same thing with a market research specialist. We go through and say, what are your competitors look like? How is that 
framed for you? Do you have the customers? Where are they located at? Do you need additional customers? What do you feel like your market should be? How do you innovate? So again, that is put together in a report, shared with the company, and then we discuss and analyze that on that check-in call. And then we have geographic information systems, and I would like to have Indra Neal share a little bit about that, if that's okay. Uh, so geographic information system uh, is a specialized uh, mapping software, and uh, and you can actually map uh, socioeconomic and demographic variables. Uh, you can even get geocoded data for businesses, so which actually can give you uh, where your potential customers are, or where your competitors are, both ways. So, but but it's a suite of product. Uh, and that can be used uh, to, to give a visual representation of your market opportunities and as well as competition. And as Heather has indicated, you know, we have those major areas of focus, market research, ge geo, you know, geospatial analysis, uh, search engine optimization. But what the company does it, what, the extent to which we provide services, and we provide roughly 36 hours of, of, uh, of uh, time uh, as a consultant to this company, the amount of time that's captured or, or allocated to each of those different uh, you know, categories is really up to the company. It could very well be much more dominated by market research if that's where they want us to go. Or others may say we really want to expand our web presence and our global reach via the web, and that might provide more time for our, uh, for our uh, specialists, our experts, our researchers to really provide, provide more of that time uh, to that particular category of the economic gardening effort. So if we go through uh, some of those individual uh, uh, things that you talked about as part of that, that toolkit, I'm trying to make sure I understand wh what's unique about this process when we talk about, because I mean, market research is, you know, I mean, there are opportunities for people to do market research. You've talked about, and you, you talked a little bit about the geospatial analysis. <laughs> Um, but let's take each one of those in a little bit more detail and, and again, in the context of economic gardening, how are each of these unique uh, to, to this program and, and how are they helping those companies and, and what's unique about sort of how you apply these things? So as Bo had previously indicated, with market research, a lot of times companies are so busy working in the companies that they may not have time or resources allocated to focus in on any of these particular topical areas. And so, for example, there's a company that I'm aware of in Indiana that is really looking to double their sales and employee growth over the next five years. In order to do that, they need to expand their market reach. They currently have locations to abroad in other countries, and then they're based in Indiana, and then they have a location as well in Texas. But they don't have any avid market research people. They also don't have a marketing person. So this would be advantageous to them to invest in this program so that they could look at expanding their reach from a marketing perspective. So this program would provide them all of the necessary contacts in each of these locations across the Na across the country nationally, but also globally potentially as well, and then map that information. So, so, clar so, so clarify, so, so when you say, so are they, are they receiving specific 
company names and identifiers of potential customers? That is correct. So okay. they would receive company names and contacts for that. There's also possibility that we could even get granular for them upon the request of the company as to the individual contacts of the people that make the decision. As Bo indicated, we can get as granular as the company requests in that particular focus area. It is up to the company how granular we extract that information. Okay. So so again, I'm trying to make sure that we're, we're, we're kind of painting a picture. So g give me maybe an example of a, of a product uh, or, or a product line that a company would be working with and how that would deploy as far as uh, uh, the kind of information they would get back. Indra Neil? So, so for example, uh, the market research identified um, aeronautics as one of the area for growth and opportunity. And then the geospatial or GIS analyst comes into the picture and we actually, we can identify the specific businesses which can be potential customer for that specific area. Now, there are two types. One is business to business where uh, most of the transactions or most of the companies are in that space. It can also be business to consumers. And then we get into the area of households so for example, a company has a very specific type of apparel and a very specific segment of consumer with very specific earning patterns and interest and taste can be the potential customer. So we have access to what are known as consumer segmentation databases and where the consumers can be divided into multiple groups. Uh, you know, there are some uh, urban elites or rural households uh, based on their purchasing pattern and, and, and interest. So, so what we do is we prepare maps and, and companies can ask us, you know, give us a map of potential customer within half a day of truck driving distance hmm. or within 100 mile or within 300 mile. Uh, some companies are bold enough, they say that they want to expand beyond Indiana and then we provide them national level maps and some successes has happened in the past because of this program a company actually opened up uh, uh, another branch in florida and tried to expand to that market because it was such a niche that they had that opportunity uh, so so in total uh, the economic gardening program can use as many as 100 specialized databases now, we have specialists within our center, but uh, we should know that it is a national network. So we can tap into the national expertise and national databases, which are really specialized uh, as, as the need is. Okay, so I think that helps a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. to really clarify that this can be, and I think it helps to operationalize when you say granular, how granular that can become. And so, I think it's also important to recognize that when you're talking about potentially expanding customer base, that may be business to business, but then you also would have the capacity then to go to, uh, to, to more of a consumer base. Okay, so that helps, I think, in terms of the, the breadth of how this could go. So I think, you, I think you probably touched upon when you were talking about maps, but when we talk about the geospatial analysis, I mean, so I, I assume and maybe that's the wrong thing to assume, but that that's, that's part of where those maps come from is doing that. Um, so is uh, explain correct, that. Correct, correct. So, so uh, 
as part of product market research uh, will provide a report uh, means pointing out the new market area opportunities and and we also use a term what is known as watering hole so these are specialized conferences or a specialized trade where where the potential company can go and and look for new opportunities and new contacts and new networks and new customers the the geospatial analysis is actually providing maps and targeted list so not only for businesses but also contacts within the businesses and if emails are needed and usually nowadays it is mostly email contacts including postal addresses and things like that the third component uh, i would like to touch a little bit is the search engine optimization it's a very specialized technique a specialized term but we need to know that in today's world e-commerce or 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 selling and contacting through internet is a major major part of of any business transaction and and search engine optimization is all about uh, highlighting or or making your company present in the internet world and and our we have a national level specialist who is uh, who is working with, with us including there are uh, many consultants available through the national network but what it does is it will identify the keywords which your website mm. must have many times these companies have an outdated website they do not have a proper blog so how to write a blog so that your companies can come at front means with their specific product and processes um, means in, in in the internet world and 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 it is actually very helpful uh, it basically taps into a very new uh, opportunity means you can get customers through uh, internet okay so uh, what haven't we covered in terms of the toolbox um, or, or or other aspects of that 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 specific process I think we've covered it pretty much I think much. we've yeah, covered yeah, everything yeah. in there <laughs> yeah, I think we've okay. done a pretty good job yeah it, All right. so <laughs> I think they've been emphasized and re-emphasized so okay. good I think we've well, got it so uh, so uh, how long have you been uh, have, has a PCRD had this model how many companies in Indiana have you been able to work with over that period of time no as I indicated earlier we uh, uh, PCRD adopted this program in 2014. Like any other thing, you had to really build demand for, for the product. So this was really spurred in, in part by funding we received at Purdue Received, but some of it was provided to PCRD to relaunch the Economic Gardening Program in Indiana. And the, uh, the Lilly Endowment re, uh, funding really was instrumental in helping kickstart mm -hmm. this program uh, in around 2015. Uh, we've, been, we've been small but lean. We've been, uh, we've to date have now worked with 20 companies across Indiana. Uh, but uh, you know, as uh, was Heather said earlier, we we track metrics with these companies, and after one year, we saw a 35% increase in employment and a 25% increase in gross annual sales, a result of the work we've done with these companies. This translates into about 100 jobs and over over 18 million dollars increase in annual sales. So we think it's been again these are second stage companies, they're not large, but we think we've had a major impact in really growing these companies, both in terms of jobs and in terms of sales. Have you seen any tr kind of trends in terms of uh, the type of companies that you've been able to work with? Or are there, are there I mean, are there trends or are there some specific uh, specializations perhaps? 
I don't know particularly any trends, but definitely we've seen an uptick in automotive. So a lot of tier one, tier two suppliers have been received benefits from the program. So that's been one thing that I've recognized, but there's definitely been a broad array and variety of our participants in the program. So, I, so what were some of the others? I'd have, if I'd have to guess, I think not guess actually, I think the data would suggest that probably half of them have been manufacturing-based companies, you know, and some That's of them have been much more service-related mm -hmm. uh, firms, but the bulk of them have been really manufacturing companies. So you talked about uh, the, the cons tapping consumers. Uh, have there been companies that, that have used that particular uh, footprint of trying to then target where, again, some of the households or those, that level of consumers? Yeah, so for example, uh, Wood Products, uh, a company, and, and it was not to businesses, they wanted a specific type of households. Uh, so, so, so the business side mapping is possible as well as household type mapping is possible. And, and we, sh we, we are able to hone in into the contacts. It is not only to know where those specific households are, what are good ways of reaching to them. And, and, and I know you talked a little bit about being able to present or target by certain demographic or economic characteristics as well. So I mean, so that, I mean, I, again, I'm trying to help people sort of have a sense of, uh, how detailed and specific some of those data could be. I think it's really important that the company owners truly understand who their customers are. So recognizing the age, how they, their lifestyles, those kinds of things are very important to understanding their customers so that when they work with the team leader, the market research, the GIS analyst, the SEO and social media researcher, they really understand who their customers are. So that can help us do a better and more efficient job in extracting that data and helping them understand the results of what they're receiving. So whether it's business to business, business to consumer or households, the more they understand about those customers and those demographics and those buying patterns and behaviors, it's gonna help us be more efficient in what we provide them. So, so I know you've touched upon this, but, but go back and talk a little bit about now what is the timeline, the time commitment, uh, and, and I assume that, there's, that, there is, uh, that you expect the companies to have some skin in the game as far or somebody to have skin in the game uh, because I think we all understand yes. that, that that also demonstrates from a customer standpoint, <clears throat> a client standpoint, their willingness to, to sort of stay on track. So how long... How much time and then you know what kind of financial uh, obligation is there sure so a company is looking to spend about six to eight weeks give or take a little bit in the process and then initially it's typically the ceo that starts out with the discovery call but it's not uncommon to have a vp of marketing or a cfo innovate like a director of innovation or something like that also participate in the clarification and other calls along the way it's about 10 to 12 hours of time that they participate in the process as well just between the team calls clarification calls closeout calls things of that nature in addition to the surveys and then the cost of the program is forty two hundred dollars and so that can be covered by the company it could be covered by uh, economic development corporation in the community or a sponsor in the community as well and I think the notion of economic gardening, I know Chris Gibbons, when he launched economic gardening, it's always been his hope 
that the cost would be borne out by local economic development organization, chamber, community foundations, really not putting the burden necessarily on the company because he said this is really an investment in a component of our economy that we want to grow. Though, uh, though there is not a, uh, no, a pattern that's cons it's not consistently like that, it could be a part, sure. it would be a shared cost by the, the company as well as the local economic development mm -hmm. entity that feels this is an important area for support. But I'm guessing, g given uh, how much uh, time on the back end, I mean, not just in terms of the time with the company, but in terms of the researchers, in terms of the expertise that's being brought in, uh, and you talked about some other support that was in place, that 4200 is not probably covering the entire cost of all of the time that, that, that your team are, are putting into this. That's probably a fair statement. I think that's why, you know, again, PCRD embraced this as one of its economic development efforts. So, yes, we have skin in the game as well from our own uh, time and resources. We provide some of that that is essentially gratis. And again, our commitment to this initiative. So, so the reason we're talking about this within uh, IEDA is because we think this is an opportunity, especially as uh, local economic developers are doing their business retention calls, meeting with companies, uh, that this is perhaps a resource that they can connect in with those second stage companies. So, and, and I know you talked about uh, the website where they, can, where they can connect, but let's step back to, to the website or how, how um, economic developers, chambers can find out more information and then what's the process then of, of them as they're working with their companies of getting you all engaged. So what I'll do is I'll give you a site where they can go and uh, a telephone number and contact people and uh, and obviously uh, that would be the first start. Uh, go to pcrd.purdue.edu, our Purdue Center for Regional Development website. Uh, it, I, the application is there under the economic uh, gardening option, which is under a category we call signature programs. If you go to our, you'll see a menu item called signature programs and economic dark gardening will be listed there. Or if you uh, would prefer to call us up, please call us at 765-494- 7273. Say uh, that again. Yes, 765-494-7273. Uh, That's the main number for PCRD. Uh, Emily Del Real is our program coordinator of that program, and she'd be the person you'd like to speak to. If you'd rather uh, contact her by email, let me read her email to those of you who are listening. E-D-E-L-R-E-A-L at Purdue. P-U-R-D-U-E dot E-D-U. And Emily's a great person to touch base with okay. as a contact. And, and, of course, all of us at that time, she'll be the one who activates our team to meet with the company. That's right. So as we wrap up, what haven't we talked about that's, that's uh, uh, critical to understanding economic gardening? I think we've covered it all. We're just really excited about the program. We've been doing it since 2014. We're all certified through the Edward Lowe Foundation, so we're excited. And any questions that anybody has, you can feel free to let us know, and we'd be happy to answer them. And uh, all I'd say is that, you know, uh, Lee, you, uh, with the uh, IEDA, you work with a lot of e local economic development uh, organizations and leaders, and I think uh, adding this to their uh, uh, blueprint of their economic development strategies as one option that they should look at is really, really worthwhile, and we would love to be able to tell people why this is such an important component to include in their economic development blueprint. Great point. 
Okay. I appreciate your time. Thank you. uh, so for this podcast today, we've been talking to uh, Bo Ballou, uh, Director of the Purdue Center for Regional Development. We've been talking with uh, Heather Strom, Extension Regional Educator, and Indranil Kumar, uh, Regional Planner, also with PCRD. Um, all three of you, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank for you. Thank you. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This podcast was powered by the Indiana Municipal Power Agency. Since 1983, IMPA has provided 61 municipal utilities in Indiana and Ohio with low-cost, reliable, and environmentally responsible power. Learn more about IMPA by visiting their website at impa.com and be sure to follow them on social media to stay in the know. This podcast is copyrighted 2019 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to the content.